Welcome to the Know God Podcast, our weekly discussion with Dr. Jeff Colburn, where we learn about Jesus and how we can develop a relationship with God. Jeff earned his PhD in Bible exposition and is the founder of the Safe Harbor Digital Community, an online space where all are welcome to explore God. I am your co-host, Angela, and I cannot wait to get to today's discussion. Hi, Jeff. Welcome back. Hi, Angela. How are you? Doing good. How are you? Doing good. We are on episode seven this week. Oh, that's awesome. How does that feel? Uh, feels good. Really been uh, you know, enjoying these questions people are sending us. So I'm really curious what we're going to be talking about this week. So last week we discussed how God can permit how you know how God can permit suffering and pain. I really need to emphasize that. How can he permit that? And then so this week I thought it would be a good follow-up uh, discussion if we uh, started a discussion around love and justice. And so one of the questions that we did receive was, how can we reconcile the concept of a loving God with the idea of eternal damnation? So what they're asking is, if God loves us so much, how can he send some people to hell? <laughs> well, that is a question. So yes, there definitely no softballs here. Um, but yeah, just the way you phrase it, it it's almost making it sound like God's some like big, all-powerful overlord, and it's just casting innocent people to hell. Uh, but, you know, if we're really going to answer this question, then I think we need to go a little deeper to, to see what, what's really happening. But isn't that what he's doing, though? Aren't we to worship God, and isn't he sending people to hell? Oh, yes and no, right? Yes, we're supposed to worship God, and, you know, there's this concept of eternal damnation. However, you know, there's something that we're doing. It's not so much what God's doing, and God's done something that actually prevented us from going to hell. So I think that's what we really need to get into is not just looking at, hey, what's God doing to us, but also what is our part in all this? Interesting. So... Then why are some people condemned to hell while others are sa- while others are saved? And from the outside, that appears to be exactly what he is doing. And those who worship him are given eternal life. So those who don't are told they will go to hell. Well, we're missing a big piece here, right? So we know the Jews worship God, and the Jewish God is the same as the Christian God. But we also know that the Jews are going to suffer the same fate as the those who reject God, right? That they, they, they're not saved because they worship, you know, just because they worship God. That there's there's another part to this that that allows us to be saved. Then what is that missing piece? It's Jesus, right? He we're all sinners, right? so no matter uh, what we do. No matter what we say, no matter how much we worship, we're sinners. We can't save ourselves. It's only through Jesus that we can be saved, and that's because he died for our sins. Okay, so but why doesn't God just forgive everyone? I mean, if he expects us to forgive people, then why doesn't he? Well, if it was that simple, then he would not never sent his son to die for our sins. Um, because sin is not just personal injuries, right? So when we do something against somebody else, right, we're, we're asked 
you know, forgive them. And really, the purpose of forgiveness is not so much for that person, it's also for us. So we're not carrying that weight of, you know, of holding something against somebody else. So forgiveness is, is, is brings healing to us as well. That's why we're called to forgive. But sin against God is, is willful rebellion against God. We're created beings. We're created for a purpose. But what we try to do is we try to make ourselves equal with our creator. And when we do that, then we start putting our own personal agendas and the desires ahead of our personal, you know, our created purpose. And because of that, we made ourselves enemies with God. You know, and, and, and I, I believe John Stout, he put it in, in, in such a great way. Uh, he said, once we see the gravity of our sin, we wouldn't ask, why is it so difficult for God to forgive sin? We'd ask, how is it possible? So, Jeff, okay, so before we go any further, many people may be wondering what exactly you mean by sin. What is sin? Well, sin can be defined as a as a, a wrongdoing against God or any act contrary to God's will. And it can range from involuntary mistakes to real serious offenses. However, sin is all the same before God. There's no level of degrees of sin, meaning, you know, not some sin, sins are worse than other sins. So, you know, you be you Mother Teresa or Adolf Hitler, we're all the same sinners before God. So we are all sinners. How does that affect our relationship with God? Well, God detests sin. It can't dwell with him. You know, sin can't be in the presence of God. So when Adam and Eve sinned, they were cast from his presence, right? They were removed from the Garden of Eden. The same as Satan. When, when he rebelled, he was cast from heaven, right? So this is what alienates us from God. We we're created for this loving relationship but because we sin, we alienate. Because of our act of rebellion, we remove ourselves from God. And we see this in the Bible, right? You know, because God is so good, whenever we do encounter him or whenever we are in his presence, we realize, or realize the, the, the gravity or the depth of our sinfulness. Like, you know, you remember, like Moses hit his face, right? Job you know, he, he despised himself when he saw God. You know, the prophet Isaiah, you know, he said he was ruined. And, uh, you know, the prophet Ezekiel, he fell face down to the ground. So what happens to us when we sin? So what are the consequences of that? Well, the penalty for sin is death. And we're not just talking physical death. We're, we're talking spiritual death. You know, Paul tells us in Romans 6, 2, 3, the wages of sin is death. And sin and death are often mentioned together in the Bible. You know, if you look at the first book, you know, Genesis, right? You know, God tells Adam, you know, don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? Because the day that you do that, you will surely die. So, you know, God's saying, yours instructing him, don't eat from this tree. But if you do, or when you do, right? That's the sin. You will surely die. And that's the penalty. Right? So, and then we can also look at the last book of the Bible, right? We look at Revelations 21.8. You know, it describes that sinners will experience the second death, right? So we know the first death is physical death. The second death is that spiritual death. 
So the Bible is clear that the penalty for sin is spiritual death. And because we're all sinners, we all deserve death. But he is God, and he can do whatever he wants. So if he loves us so much, why can't he just look over our sins? Well, we have to understand the unchanging nature of God. Yes, he's God of, of, of pure love, but he's also God of absolute justice. And if he pardoned sin, he, he, he would compromise his nature, right? He can't go against us. So there has to be atonement for our sin. And as we mentioned, that, that atonement or that penalty is death. Um, so because he is the God of justice, just as much as he is the God of love, that price has to be paid. Then if we are all sinful and God requires atonement for our sins, then how can anyone be saved? Well, well, look what he does, right? Because he's a, he's a loving God and he, and he needs this justice to be satisfied, he sends his son to die in our place, right? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave him his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, you know, we know this as substitutionary atonement. Jesus died for our sins. And, you know, we, we, you know, we could read about, you know, all these Medal of Honor winners who, who sacrificed their lives to save their friends. But if you look at what Jesus did, he, he died, he gave his life for us while we're his enemies. He, he gave his life for his enemies, not, not for, you know, somebody, you know, he, he gave his life for somebody who's fighting against him. Which, you know, just again, just shows you, you know, before, you know, before we were reconciled, he gave his life, is willing to give his life. And, you know, Paul reminds us that, right? Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He bore the judgment we deserved, right? To bring, bring, you know, to bring us that forgiveness that we didn't deserve. And that's where we see it, right? On the cross is where we see divine love and divine justice reconciled, right? Again, Paul in Romans 3, 25, 26, God demonstrates his love and justice in and through the death of Jesus, right? And there's, I, you know, I love how John Stout breaks down uh, Romans 5, 8, right? He says, you know, it says God gave his son, right? So he's saying he didn't send somebody else. He gave himself, right? So God gave his son. And then it says to die, right? So we know Jesus was tortured. He crucified. He bore our sins. And he was forsaken by God, right? And then it finishes for us. So Jesus died for us. He, he suffered that torture, that you know, crucifixion all our sin, all our God-forsakenness that we deserved, he carried that for us, right? A, a group of sinful, godless, rebellious people. So the only way we can experience that forgiveness of our sins is through Jesus. Okay, well, some would say having people suffer eternal damnation, hell, is not very loving, and that it's actually pretty cruel. If they really knew that this was going to happen, they may have changed their ways. And it doesn't seem very fair that they have to suffer forever because they made the wrong choice, Colburn. Yeah. Well, Angela, that is, you know, that is true. Um, that doesn't sound very fair. It's like, well, if I knew this was going to happen, which we do, we're told, but if I really knew that this is going to happen, why should I suffer eternity for it? And uh, Michael Green argues that's not the case. He he argues that the opposite of eternal life 
does not mean eternal torment. Um, he just he he just says that those who reject God will be destroyed at the end. They elected to live apart from God, uh, so that would suggest that why would they want to spend eternity with Him? So Green says, well, at the end, um, their life just ends. There's there's no eternal damnation. Uh, of course, there's scholars who disagree with Green that say, no, that's exactly what happens. Um, they elected to live a life apart from God, so they're going to spend eternity apart from God. Uh, me personally, I hope Green is correct. Uh, I, you know, nobody wants to see anybody spending eternal torment in hell. Um, but personally, I haven't researched this enough to take a position one way or the other. Um, I just know if you reject God, you don't experience eternal life. That the Bible is very clear about. Okay, so then some say that because God is love, he would not allow anyone to be lost. Well, now you're talking about a concept called universalism, right? Where God will forgive and save everyone in the end. Um, and I can see how that view could be attractive. Because what it's really saying is, I can live however I want. I can believe what I want. It's consequence-free, all right? I'm not accountable to anyone. But there's some issues with this disbelief. You know, first, at its root, it, it's really self-centered, right? It's saying, life on my terms. But it also contradicts, contradicts Jesus' message. He is very clear about what happens uh, to those who don't place their faith in him. You know, he, he mentioned two ways, right? And, and one of the, only one of those ways are going to lead to him, right? Or only going to lead to God. Uh, and he tells us about the sheep and the goats at the end and, and how they're going to be separated, right? And we talked about this uh, last week. We were talked about free will, our, you know, the, the freedom God gives us to choose. So even at this, where it comes to our eternal fate, he gives us that ability to choose. And he's not going to violate that freedom of choice, right? Some people don't want to spend an eternal life with God. They rejected him their entire life. So at the very end, if he decides, no, everybody's saved, he might be violating their very right to choose. And they may decide, I don't want eternal life with God. So again, that choice is ours to make, and he's not going to step into that. Okay, so what? But aren't there Christians out there that believe no one will be lost? Well, that's true. Um, you know, people believe a lot of different things. Uh, even Christians have their own flavors of Christianity. But you really can't call yourself a Christian if you believe that everyone will be saved, right? Universalism is not consistent with Christianity. Jesus made it clear that you had to believe in him in order to be saved. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And unfortunately, people are going to reject God, and there will be people lost in the end. Well, what about people who never heard about Jesus? This is a big question, and it's an important one, yeah. and it's really hard to understand. And mm -hmm. I even struggle with this one a lot. No. And it's a fair question. You know, we know the church's mission is, you know, Jesus instruct them, go out and make disciples. You know, and teach them all I commanded you. And, it, and and we're supposed to go to the ends of the earth, right? That the sole mission of the church is this. And what if the church falls short of that? What if they don't carry out this mission? 
right? It doesn't seem right that people are going to suffer because a church didn't do what Jesus commanded them to do, right? So the church needs to be spreading the good news. And we see this in the other parts of the world. We see it in Africa. We see it in Asia. They're on fire, you know, spreading this news. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I think the West or the Western church uh, has really lost this sense of urgency of, 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 of spreading this message, of allowing people to know the consequences of a life apart from God. And, and a lot of times I think it's because they get caught up in their own internal programs more than their, their core mission. Um, and I think as, you know, it's, it's not just a church, it's, it's us Christians as well, is where's that sense of urgency to share this message, right? You know, we, we believe it to be true. Why are we not sharing this more with other people? If we truly love the world as God loves the world, then why are we not more aggressive in sharing this message? But sometimes I think we almost, even the, you know, unintentionally believe in universalism that, you know, God's really not going to do this. Uh, you know, at the end, everyone's going to be saved. Some way God's going to pull it off at the end. And everybody's going to be saved, so we really don't have to go out there and, and work this mission as hard as, as Jesus commanded us to do. Um, or, you know, I've encountered other people that are just so focused on their own salvation, they're not worried about anyone else. So, you know, whatever the reason is that the primary mission is no longer that primary mission, um, it has eternal consequences. And, you know, People need to know Christ in order to be saved, and we know from the Bible, ignorance doesn't negla- uh, negate, uh, negate the, the penalty of sin. So what about those who lived relatively good lives? Because I know a lot of good people that are not necessarily Christians or not Christians living a beautiful life and a lifestyle that's to be modeled. They certainly don't deserve to be cast into hell. Yeah, but then how do we determine who's good? You know, by whose measure and, you know, and where do we draw that line? You know, our lives are not graded, right? That the, we know the penalty for sin is death. Uh, be it if somebody sins once or they sin a lot, the penalty is the same. And to be honest, I think it would be more stressful if I believed our life was on a graded system, right? Because you'd be living your whole life waiting for the results of this final exam. You know, you'd be hoping, you know, did I pass? Uh, you know, am I really sure? Or even if you think you aced it, oh, I, you know, I lived this beautiful life, I aced it. But then you you've, you've failed miserably because you forgot a whole section, right? I'm grateful I don't have to live like that. Um you know, the, the, the beauty part is, is is God loves us, and the price of our sins has already been paid, right? So I don't have to sit there and worry about how good of a life am I living to, you know, to warrant, you know, eternal life, right? That That's that's the, you know, the, you know people talk about works versus grace, where, hey, I can work hard enough, I can be saved, and, and no— no one can be saved by their own works. Paul tells us, right? So no one, no one can boast. It's by God's grace that we're saved. Jesus paid the price for us, so we don't have to pay that 
price or or try to pay the price that we can't pay we know we can't pay no matter how perceived good that we may appear we're all sinners so i think life is more peaceful when i live with that assurance that the price of my sins have been paid already what if you just live by the 10 commandments again nobody like so israelites give us a perfect example in the old testament of people trying to live by the Ten Commandments, they fall short. Everyone falls short of the law, right? We read this in the Bible. You know, no one, no one is good. We're all sinners, and again, the penalty of sin is death. And because God loves us, He paid that penalty for us. So no matter how hard we try to live a righteous life, we will always fall short. So is this why you believe in Jesus? Not at all. Uh, my faith is not based upon any fear of going to hell. Uh, to be honest, if it was just that, uh, I think we downplay our eternal fate so much. I don't think that would prevent any of us from you know, putting our own personal agendas ahead of God. Um, with me, I love God. Right? I love my life with him. I I know my life is better with him than without him. Uh it's the amazing sense of peace that I enjoy with him. It's that hope he gives and that relationship him and I share is like un, unlike any other. I feel his love for me. And this is a relationship I wish for everyone. Right? I don't he doesn't want God doesn't want any people just turning to him because they're afraid to go into hell. He wants people to love him as you know as he loves them. So Jeff, let me just see if I can sum up what you just told us. So God loves us and does not want anyone to be lost. Yet because we sin against him, we deserve to die. And because God is justice is justice as much as he is love, the penalty has to be satisfied. But because he loves us, he sent himself as the son to die in our place. So in order to be saved, we accept Jesus for who he is and for what he's done for us. Angela, you nailed it. Uh, We want to enjoy eternal life with God. We have to turn back to him and we have to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. There's no other way. And it's important to remember, it's not what God is doing. He gave himself to save us. He made the ultimate sacrifice. And we can't ask for anything more, right? And we have to decide if we want to be saved. I'll give you an example. Say you have a mom, and she sees great potential in her child. She raises him. She sets him on a path where she knows that he'll use his potential for good. However, he decides to use that potential for selfish gain. He starts selling drugs. Now the mom tells him how dangerous this is and how he's hurting others. Now he has a choice. He can, he can listen to his mom and he can change his ways, or he can ignore her, her warnings. He's looking at all the money he's making, the lifestyle he's living, and he starts justifying what he's doing. He explains that it's just business. You know, He's selling product that people want, and if they didn't buy it from him, they'd buy it from somebody else. And then one day he gets shot during a drug deal, and he's lying there bleeding on the street. 
he still has a choice, right? He can recognize the foolishness of his ways and that his mom was right, or he can die believing that his way was the right way, right? That's the choice we all have, right up to the very end, right? Jesus told the story of the landowner who paid people to work his field. Some worked the whole day, some worked only an hour. But at the end of the day, they all got paid the same. This is true with God. Some may become a Christian early in life, some maybe much later, and then some even right up until they're taking their dying breath. The reward is the same. God loves us. He wants us with him. And some just take longer than others to find him. Thank you, Jeff. I have to admit that this is a lot to process. No one wants to see anyone lost. No one does, uh, especially God, and that's why he sent us his son. I hope everyone found this discussion helpful. I know I did. Jeff, we have been getting some really good questions. I can't wait to see what we discuss next week. I hope everyone will join us. Thank you, everyone, for being part of the Know God podcast. Please join us every Monday as we learn more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If you found this episode helpful, please leave us a review. We would love to hear from you. Also, please join the Safe Harbor community at digitalsafeharbor.com, a safe online space where you can ask questions, share your experiences and struggles, and engage in honest conversation. Until next week, have a great day and God bless.